they they fear failure, they feel fear performance in front of people. They're, you know, for our students who have some learning differences, even just the etiquette and nuances of a game and the rules of a game can be challenging. Um, you know, I think the biggest piece is just that middle school athletics needs to be different. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Pat Cohan with the Idiot Insider Podcast. Today I'm going to take you inside our most recent AD Insider Thursday 30 episode where we interviewed Kelly Fish, the athletic director for Curry Ingram Academy in Brentwood, Tennessee. In this episode, we discuss how removing fear created 75% participation, why esports is here to stay, and what Kelly would change about education-based athletics. Before we dive into these topics, we want to thank our sponsor for helping us put on this episode, the Concordia University of Irvine, the number one educational athletics master's program in the nation. One that you can take 100% online, in person, or a unique blend of both. In addition, they've expanded their program to now offer a master's of science in coaching and exercise sciences. If you're interested in learning more, go to cui.edu. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this AD Insider Podcast. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, your school, Curry Ingram Academy, is different. So why don't you explain a little bit about the academy and why uh, I bring that up in that way? Sure. Uh, so we serve students who have learning differences. That's Our mission is to serve students who have learning differences. Um, but that looks like a lot of different things where some schools in our niche are very specific to a specific diagnosis. Curry Ingram is not. Uh, every student here has an individualized learning plan. Every student has diagnostic testing. And we really teach to every student as an individual. So I like to describe it more as just individual education. Once you're here, you kind of realize it's how maybe schools should all be. Um, but it's truly meeting every student where they are, their strengths, their weaknesses, and teaching that way. Uh, we do that through really small class sizes, very personalized, individualized education, high technology, um, things like that. And that's kind of going to be the theme of our interview is everything that you're doing at Curry Ingram, uh, you don't really have any rules to it. You're creating the experience for your student-athletes, uh, not with any type of jurisdiction of the the state association. I know you follow NFHS rules and, and guidelines, but you're able to kind of build this, and, and like you said earlier, um, individual. it's an individualized experience and trying to meet them where they're at. Yeah, our mission doesn't end at the end of the school day. We carry that to athletics. Um, and so kind of what that looks like, uh, we're not affiliated with a conference or with our state association. We do follow in FHS guidelines, as you said, um, just because that's something that's important to us to have some sort of guidelines for rules and regulations. Um, but we can really personalize our athletic experience to our student athletes and really value doing that because their needs are different. Uh, we have rolling enrollment, so uh, we can't be a part of our state association and meet our academic mission because students need to transfer in and out for their success. Um, some students, uh, you know, our retention is lower than what you would find at most schools, but a lot of that is because we're fulfilling our academic mission. So a student might leave that it's just academically ready and we want them to be able to go and continue their athletic career as well and not have that kind of um, restriction on them. So we're able to be really creative in how we schedule, what sports we participate in from season to season, how many teams we might have in a season. Uh, and that flexibility helps us meet our students' needs at their best. 
And do you struggle with coaches? I know that's something nationally that people are saying that staffing is really difficult right now, finding the coaches, especially for the middle school level. Do you still do you have the same issues or is, are you kind of immune to that with being an academy? Well, it's really hard to find coaches, especially when you don't know how many teams we're going to have. I mean, we're going into this week and I don't know if I'm going to end up with a needs for four teams or five teams or three. Um, so we do struggle with that. Thankfully, I have a lot of support here at our school to be able to have our own faculty and staff coach. Uh, and that's obviously ideal, but that's can't sustain all of our needs. Uh, so one thing I've done is reached out to a local university. For me, it happens to be Belmont where I went through the sport of men program. So there's familiarity there. Um, and also it's just a really convenient for us uh, and we have a great partnership where I reach out and let them know, you know, I'm going to need basketball coaches. I don't, I can't tell you grade yet. I can't tell you the commitment yet, but if you are interested, um, I kind of have a coaching waiting program, I'd say, and then I can plug you in uh, where the right fit is and uh, what meets their needs and ours. So it's really been a great win-win. Uh, it's mutually beneficial because a lot of times they can get internship credit our college students so they can get a stipend, which is appealing. Uh, and in my, you know, instance, I'm training coaches to be able to field these coaches for the future, whether it's here at Curry Ingram or somewhere else. Um, I have them at least for a season. Often they come and stay longer uh, where I know I'm training coaches to put into the profession to hopefully help long term. And let diving into that specifically, are you targeting a certain degree? Are you targeting grad students only? Or is there... Like, where is this sweet spot? Because you obviously have a relationship with Belmont already, but for any AD out there at any school that's struggling to fill maybe their middle school um, coaching needs, reaching out to the – how would you kind of direct them and how to reach out to that other university and where to, you know, maybe skip some of the mistakes that you made in this process of, of using college kids uh, to, to coach middle school athletes? So I've had the most success with grad school students and the specific program we do is the sport and men program. So those students do need internship hours, um, which is, you know, that then gives them the win on their side. Um, so there's some paperwork that I do that's involved with that just to make sure that they're getting the hours they need um, and the experience that they need. Uh, but you know, you're also in grad school programs, a lot of times you're getting former student athletes. So already built in understanding, understanding of educational based athletics and understanding what it means to be a student athlete. Um, so that's been my success. I have a few times had an undergrad student, but usually the schedule is a little more difficult to work out um, just because they have more commitments in the afternoon uh, than a, maybe a grad school student might. And what would you say in terms of the percentage of students that actually participate in some sort of activity that you direct? Yeah, so we set anywhere on an you know, annual basis of about 65 to 75% of our student body participating in sports. Last year during COVID, we were in uh, uh, intramural type environment. We had clubs only internally and we got up to 75% of our students participating. And I think they just were hungry to do something and also removing the fear of having to compete in something really instilled a lot of confidence. And we're seeing the spillover of that this year and just increased numbers of participation. And uh, I think it speaks volumes to our environment here and letting people know that they are welcome and that, you know, even though they're trying not to be placed on a team, it's not necessarily a tryout. They know they're going to get a sport experience for season I think that helps I want to dive into that a little bit more in terms of the 
the concept of not having to be, compete, essentially, mm -hmm. is that what you said? Uh, how did you phrase that? You phrased it pretty, like the so, idea of not having to lose, like that fear of failure. Yeah. It, the fear of failure. I mean, so many student athletes, you, you know, they they fear failure. They feel fear performance in front of people. They're, you know, for our students who have some learning differences, even just the etiquette and nuances of a game and the rules of a game can be challenging. Um, tennis is one that always stands out to me because you literally are out there by yourself and you're in charge of chart calling your own lines of holding the score uh, of knowing the score and working with an opponent. And uh, that can be a real challenge for a student who has working memory issues or who has anxiety. Uh, and so they would maybe not even try it at another place. And here it's, just really a welcoming environment to try it because we're not going to put them in a situation competitively that they're not ready for. And you talked about this on our prep call, the heightened vulnerability where you're mm -hmm. working with students that all students, when they're competing, they are vulnerable, vulnerable. It's, there's a potential to fail, right? And so that's already an uncomfortable position for some, but at your school, you're dealing with you're working with athletes that have a heightened level on some of the the learning differences that they have. Um, how does that affect, you know, the coaching when you bring in these grad students and how you teach them to appropriately um, manage their teams? Is are sure. they doing it differently? Is there things that you're making yeah. sure they have so they're they're aware of these vulnerabilities and how to approach them? I mean, you know, I think as athletic administrators and coaches, it's important for us to realize that we're always getting students at a vulnerable time of their day. They've held it together academically and emotionally all day. There's peer interactions that are coming to heightened levels. They're hungry, they're tired. You know, if they are on medication, that's wearing off at the end of the day. So those things, that's already occurring. Uh, here, I think our students are just really aware. They know their difference. They have that language. And um, we are so built to just swoop in and really build support so that their athletic experience after school can be um, one that's really beneficial and that, that they can enjoy. Uh, so when you do bring an outsider in, that's challenging to kind of teach them that. I do think if you can coach here, you can really coach anywhere. And not because I mean, on any given team, every student learns differently. Every coach will tell you that, you know, I'm having a hard time reaching this student, but our students, they know their diagnosis, they know their profile. And so the way that I can train new, um, new coaches that come in is to really go student by student through the roster and just give them as much information as I possibly can about that profile so that they're fully prepared to meet that student where they are. Um, that's an extension of what we do in the classroom. And I feel like it's my responsibility to train and have our coaches prepared to meet them uh, on the court or field uh, to really be equipped to best meet their needs athletically too. Absolutely. And one of the things that you did, I think it was three years ago, is implementing an esports program into your sports programs, not just as a side activity. What were some of the benefits of making esport a sport? Yeah, so we started it actually last year was our first year to do it. So this is our third season. Um, it's okay. going really well. I felt um you know, it was, you're unsure about what it's going to look like, but I was really passionate about making sure we added it into our athletic program uh, and not just as an after school club or something that maybe um, someone in one of our divisions or grade levels did. And the reason that is, is because 
one, I think there's a lot of value in an educational-based athletic program that we all are aware of, all those character traits and core values that you can instill through athletics. That applies to esports as well. Um, I really wanted to have student athlete expectations to be able to be upheld. So the same academic requirements that we require for our students needed to be um, in sports. And we wanted to add a strength training component. Um, we wanted our students to get up from behind the computer um, and put down the game console and come and work out. And so we've added a strength uh, training component that parents and students have really enjoyed that as a part of uh, our esports team. So uh, it's going really well. Uh, we have great participation and uh, really enjoying playing through the play versus model, which is, you know, endorsed by NFHS. So it's, it's going well. And I want to break this down a little bit more because I think a lot of athletic directors will say, well, it's not a sport. You know, it's just not. And because you brought it in and called it a sport, um, you know, that's that's taking that step. I know you have the freedom to do that in your school because of being uh, not affiliated with a, a state association. But when you do that, what are some of the unique things that you didn't think would happen? I mean, because am I right? In the beginning, you were not for it. I, w I would say for it, I was more of just, I can't believe I'm doing this, <laughs> you know, like I just really like we're adding video gaming, but you know, you're taking something they already do. You're finding interest-based learning and you're meeting them where they are and you're, then you're putting structure to it that you already believe in. So I do believe in the athletic structure. And so why not give them a coach who's trained in educational-based athletics? Why not give them uniforms to instill school pride? Why not give them expectations and, and instill your athletic core values so that they can understand the importance in athletic or in esports of communication, collaboration, building confidence, all the things that we already believe in? Um, why not enter it to the, something that they're already engaging in? And then put structure in terms of rules and, um, you know, digital citizenship practices to something they're already doing, um, like video gaming. So now they're doing it after school here with peers, building relationships with their own peers um, and not playing outside, um, not school related. So uh, just the, the amazing opportunities that we've been able to find to engage new students who would never have been a part of athletics um, before have been wonderful. Full. We're seeing it to be a huge motivator um, to students that we weren't reaching before. Uh, and, you know, it's fun. They're doing it and it, they're, it's a lot of fun. They get to compete. They get to communicate with their peers and in a room together wearing school uniforms. <laughs> and I am not educated on this at all. So I have play versus pulled up on this screen. I'll, I'll go ahead and share that. And I want you just to walk me through, you know, how this this setup works because I know there's other leagues and there's other things that you yeah. can be a part of. So can you just walk me through, because you participate in Rocket League, right? We participate in Rocket League and in Super Smash Brothers currently. Last year, we also played in League of Legends uh, and we really gauge our student interest before we enter a season. Different games require different roster numbers and um, different requirements in terms of um, just the, the, equipment that you have super smash brothers is completely played from your switch where rocket league is pc or um just computer based so we joined through play versus because it was supported through the nfhs and so felt really confident in them vetting the games uh, and also being able able to provide a really good structure and they'll go as far as after offering practice schedules but um, mostly for us we wanted a, a game schedule um, and a postseason and so they provide both of those things for us 
So these are the, the scheduled match days. Now you can schedule practice days um, around that. Uh, and then you work with the team to find the time zone and time fit that works best for you. Once the game schedules are set, you could reach out to the coach. And um, so those most games are at four o'clock your time and they work to find a team that matches that occasionally. Like I said, we will switch that um, just in working together with the teams. But we've played teams from Canada, teams from North Dakota, teams from Texas. Uh, Georgia, all over the country, which is also a pretty cool thing um, for our students to just to have that experience of knowing that they're competing truly all over North America. So, so when did it click for you in terms of knowing that esports was here to stay and something that you want to build upon uh, in your athletic department? Yeah, I mean, two moments. One was when we had our first sign-up meeting in our our, you know, we have a student athlete center and we invited students who were interested to come there and it was full <laughs> and, and a lot of opinions about what they wanted to play. And, and it was students I didn't know and hadn't seen a lot. Um, so that was, that was a moment. And then also one of the first practices I went up and I mean, our team, they were playing rocket league, which is like soccer with cars and they were communicating. Like I would dream of walking into a basketball or soccer practice and hearing student athletes communicating at a practice. I mean, they were, you know, you cover goal. I'm over here. I've got this guy. I mean, it was just so wonderful. I thought, oh my gosh, this is not just setting in isolation, playing a video game. Like they are, it's teamwork, it's sportsmanship. It's, you know, respect, listening to my coach. There was so much going on. I just thought, wow, this, this is what school-based athletics is, <laughs> you know? So why not this? I love that. And I can talk to you all day about the esports uh, as a sport because I'm fascinated with how people are implementing it. Uh, but I also want to dive into your experience as a national faculty member with the NIAAA uh, covering the middle school course, the LTC 701. Um, before diving into what that course is about, for you, before teaching that course, what were some of the eye openers as you were watching the national faculty teach it? Uh, I, I think Holly Farnesis you've mentioned is somebody that is like a big mentor of yours and she teaches that course as well. You know, what were some of the changes that you had to make in your middle school programs that you learned from this course? You know, I think the biggest piece is just that, that middle school athletics needs to be different. <laughs> it needs to look different than what we know in terms of club sports or varsity sports developmentally those students are at a different place and if we don't support that we're going to lose student athletes that we should not be losing um, the ability to impact them uh, developmentally they look different their needs are different their bodies are different and so just trying to be really intentional about middle school athletic programs I think is what my biggest takeaway from that was now having now taught it for several years, I'm affirmed by things like our placement and that that is appropriate and a really great way to meet middle school student athletes. I already mentioned where, you know, it made me rethink who I, what coaches I choose for middle school um, and making sure that they truly understand the needs for that developmental age. So I just think that being intentional about it, not just being the same as what your high school program might look like or what your experience was because we've come a long way in what we know about middle school students and their needs. So you've had the opportunity at Curry Ingram to do things differently. You're working with 
student athletes that learn differently. Um, they, they all have their own ways of learning. And so you've had to create this individualized high school sports and middle school sport experience. So with your lens, and say I gave you the power to reorganize high school and middle school sports in the U.S., what are some things that you would implement right away? That's a lot of power. <laughs> I, know, I, know. Uh, I think I would just really want more programs that focused on two things, student safety and student athlete experience. For programs to really be able to just remove the pressure of winning and focus on those two things, I think the developmental, the development of all athletic programs would benefit from that. Um, and in the student, well, in the student athlete experience piece, if you could truly just focus on each student having the best experience for them. And, and when I say students, I don't mean just your students. And this, I, this is what I see a lot when people talk about character programs or sportsmanship, often they just mean for theirs, you know, all <laughs> students truly deserve the great experience and a good competitive balance and a good, um, you know, fair sport experience. Um, doesn't mean it has to be equal, but, and if more of us can really embrace that all students de deserve that, then things like scheduling, especially in middle school, become a lot easier, to be honest, because there, you know, I have such good relationships with people here who I can reach out and say like, you know what, my middle school team is a little lower skilled this year. Do you maybe have a B or C or rec group that you'd like to come and play? And then they come and win or lose. It's such a better experience for those students. And they're not, they don't then walk out of the gym ready to quit playing altogether, you know, and then we lose being able to have that positive influence on student athletes forever. And, you know, every, nobody will tell you that school sports, you know, doesn't give these amazing lifelong skills. But if we weed so many out by eighth grade, then we're missing that opportunity. So I think if I could just wave a magic wand, I just would try, you know, and I know there's so many influences that impact that and that's hard to do, but I think I would just really love for all programs to truly just get to be based on student athlete safety, student athlete experience um, for all student athletes. I think it's interesting that a lot of athletic directors really want this character-based, education-based athletic experience, but then the parents or the student-athletes want this elite championship, national tournament type of experience that a lot of the clubs provide. And so mm -hmm. it's a hard, like, it's like trying to feed people vegetables when all they want is uh candy right how how do you how would you balance that the relevancy to of high school sports in terms of the elite level yeah i mean that's hard because i don't have to deal with that on the daily <laughs> so i know that it's easy for me to say you know i think they'd see the benefit long run long time but i have so many mentors of mine that are in in that world and every single one of them say that educational based athletics proves itself in the end and wins out and even a lot of times results in winning and championships and banners on the wall and you know and so I think I just would want to trust the process and really try to communicate with parents you know that you're on the same page and wanting the best experience for their child 
you may just not agree on the how to get there part. Um, so I would hope that over time the proof is in the pudding, but, um, you know, I know that is the challenge, right? That is, that's the whole issue that, um, educational based athletics is running into and why it's, you know, harder and harder to continue to provide to students. And so you gave me a magic wand, I know, I know, <laughs> right? I know. So in that, in that whole little loop, <laughs> I've yep. taken all that, right? Well, in it, bringing it back to the theme of this interview of, of thinking differently, right? So just, the, I loved how you're doing things differently at Curry Ingram. And I love the, 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 the thought process that you go through. I, I told you on your prep call it's like you're a ninja you're like a ninja ad you have a problem and you figure out this crazy way to fix it or to get more people involved or to get coaches um it's it's like you don't take no for an answer you're really trying to make sure that you're accomplishing the mission that, that your schools put out uh for your student athletes and i i love it so it's no question why people recommended you for this interview and and why you're doing such a good job at curry ingram so thank you so much for changing or for sharing uh, the way that you think differently about school sports and uh, for taking some time with us here on the Thursday 30 show. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share my passion about school sports. And thank you for listening. We're here to provide access to experts and educators in the field of athletic administration, but this is your podcast too. So let us know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out to us on social media or on our website, athleticdirectorinsider.com. 